Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Winger F1 podcast for the US Grand Prix. It was a great race. I really enjoyed it. And we're going to discuss it in length now today on our podcast. Hooray. Uh, I'm Freddie Coates. I'm going to be leading you through this one today. And I'm joined with my Wigan friend and my American friend, Nigel Chu and Adam Dickinson. Hi, guys. Which um, well, <laughs> The one in America is the Wigan friend. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there must be a Wigan, Texas, or something like that, because every UK place <laughs> has like three sister towns in America. There's just there's a Sheffield, Texas, which is probably way too far for me to visit, but you know it'd be cool if I could. Um, do you ask how we are, or did you, did you just say, "Oh, here we are"? No, you didn't. You didn't ask. You didn't. Ask. I did. Oh, I did. Okay. I said, "How are you that's doing?" Fine, then. I asked how you're oh, doing. If good. I didn't, then that's not gone well. I'm in. I'm in a room, just a random room in the journalism department here so if people come in and want to have a meeting in here then yeah that's going to be interesting so hopefully fingers crossed that doesn't happen because every time someone walks past then i think they're going to come in so we will hope that that doesn't happen but if you know if there isn't an expected guest you can't there isn't a room booking system and the rooms that i'm normally in that you can book are being renovated so i have amazing sound quality for the next podcast but for this one not so much I'm also in a random room, but I also sleep here, and I don't think there's going to be any meetings. So I'm a bit like Adam on this one. <laughs> it could be a house meeting. It just gets called in your room. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if there was, to be honest. The way things are. <laughs> <laughs> just walks into a room and barges the door down <laughs> and just forces you to discuss, I don't know, bin rotors and stuff. So, and yeah, we're just so sat here on the, on the Zoom call having the discussion as well, volunteering you. <laughs> To do all the chores. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yes. I, think, I, yeah. I, I actually really want this to happen now. <laughs> I'm kind of planning what I'll... You know when you, you kind of start thinking about something that's completely impossible and never going to happen, but you start running through in your head in your head all the, the, the sort of daydream of it and all the possibilities. I'm doing that now as to what we'll say to Nigel Flat, all the stuff he'll do. Like, oh yeah, he'll come and hoover at 3am, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then he has to do it. Yeah, the chances of that are higher than you think. (laughs) (laughs) That would, well, it depends how loud the hoover is, but that could potentially disadvantage you living directly above if Nigel is doing loud chores at very early in the morning. I'm always doing that. There we go. Uh, He wishes, he wishes. Freddie, can you confirm? (laughs) I I feel like a gentleman never tells. What, Uh, hoover? uh, About 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 hoovering. I know Nigel's yes. got a lovely friend called Henry. He visits a lot. But anyway, um... oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was what? Like what, a... what name did you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay, right. This, so this, to protect this, that <laughs> lovely bit of confusion on Nigel's face, we're going to move into a much more um, <laughs> engrossing topic than his. Hoover sex life. Um, oh, my lord. Oh, this is like in uh, the first Captain America film where everyone talks about fun doing, and Captain America <laughs> doesn't realize that it's like a euphemism, <laughs> or like he doesn't realize that a fun is a real thing, but that it's a euphemism. So he's just really confused, like, oh, what's fun do? And then that's the same confusion that has just occurred to. Yeah. Our co-host colleague Nigel is as pure as Chris Evans was ten years ago. Yeah. Ah, anyway, um, moving on to a topic that I mean I don't want to move on from this, but we have to. Um, <laughs> we don't have to. It's our thing. Can... It's our thing. Yeah, Nigel, do you see yourself as a Captain America, Captain Wigan, Captain Wigan, New Hampshire? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm a good leader to be honest. I'm more of like a good co-leader person, but I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't be good. I, I wouldn't be a good prime minister. I'll be. I'll be a good uh, deputy. I know it's a co-prime minister. I'll be a good chancellor. Deputy. Yeah, chancellor, foreign secretary, something like that. Foreign. Yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nigel's the next Liz Truss. Um, <laughs> oh God, help us all. Anyway. Um, right, moving on. I've tried to move it this on, but is this the hundredth episode? This <laughs> it's funny it's 99. <laughs> um, we've got to be slick in a hundred. Um, 
Right, so moving on, we're going to now talk about the race, the US Grand Prix. Believe it or not, that's what we're here to do. Um, their race was won by Max Verstappen. He did a great job, um, but he was pushed hard at the end by a certain Lewis Hamilton. Um, like the championship is between the two of them. It's hard um, between the two of them. Right, so we're going to talk about the strategy play because what brought this race close together was multiple different strategies between the two of them. This is making a lot of sense in my head. And right, so Nigel, please can you give us your opinion on everyone's strategy? Not everyone's. Hamilton and Verstappen's strategy. I think neither team got it wrong. I think they did everything right for what they could have done. Verstappen went aggressive. Hamilton had to go wrong. You know, if he played the next lap, he would have been overtaken. So I think it was a case of two very evenly matched cars. I don't think there's anything to separate them. And two very evenly matched drivers uh, during the race. And that's why there was the gap was so close at the end. I don't think anyone had an advantage. And it was one of those cases where it was kind of better to be second so you could do the undercut because to pit from the lead and give away track, you know, track, track position, track position is you, you have to be quite bold to do that. You have, you have to be quite brave. So uh, I don't think Mercedes or Red Bull did anything wrong for me. I'm, I'm not sure. I, it, it's really difficult. Do you think they could have? Do you think Mercedes could have done a preemptive undercut like they did in Bahrain, for example? Because I think that might have been maybe where they could have made up the made up the ground. I mean, it's it's a tough call to make at the time, but I guess knowing what we know now, then maybe that could have been the better option. And I think the tyre advantage. I think they would have thought the tyres wouldn't last because it was quite clear to be a two stop, and I think the tyre deck was quite high, and Verstappen was hanging on really so I don't think Mercedes don't look back it's not like other races like Zandvoort I, I, I think I gave them a, I, I, I criticised them because I think they, they missed out there uh, but this race I don't think I can really fault them for it when um when Verstappen came into pit after his first stint his tyres were worn to shreds so if Hamilton had gone in before that he wouldn't have been able to hold Verstappen back I think the Mercedes strategy was the best it could have been, really, with the pace Mercedes had all for that weekend at Cota. I think they were blindsided a bit by how good Rebel were because riding the bumps off the track, basically, it was a really bumpy track service. Um, and Rebel were able to ride that much better than Mercedes were because Mercedes have got that kind of bodged uh, rear floor of the car from the regulations that came in at the start of the year um, for 2021. And that's kind of always me meant that the Rebel have got that slight advantage in that part of the car, and that was getting affected a lot, which meant that um, Rebel just had that, you know, they had more to play with. And if Hamilton had, had gone for an undercut on Verstappen, I think Verstappen would have been able to pass Hamilton at the end much easier than Hamilton on Verstappen. We saw how much the dirty air affected Hamilton. I think that the um, the rebel would have just been able to get a bit closer at the start of the track than Hamilton was able to to be able to mount a challenge in the back of the track. Does that wash with you, or do you think the straight line speed in the Merck is too good? Well, do you I, think Red Bull had a better car than slightly? I think I think they had a better car for the the bumps that threw off Mercedes. Um, if you so look at the pace of the first, pace. in terms of race pace, Rebel had a better car. You look at the first stint, uh, Verstappen's able to hang on to Hamilton. Hamilton's essentially dying on those tyres, and Verstappen can keep close, keep close. Um, I think if if Verstappen had kept the lead at the start, maybe they would have seen something different. But I think because Hamilton took the lead, it um, I think it, it would have been better for Mercedes if they were in second. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. So that's why I don't think. Because if you think Rebel had a better car, surely Verstappen, when he's in the lead, would have got a three, four, five second gap. If, if you think Red Bull had a better car, well, I think they, I think they just had um, they need needed to look after the tires more because they were making the stint longer. Um, I think um, if you if you had the same length of stint, basically, if Hamilton and Verstappen pit on the exact same lap, say they both pit on lap forty, I think Verstappen would have made it gap. 
But I think um, because Verstappen pit and wherever it was, sort of lap, oh, I want to say 30-odd um, to go to lap 56. And having pitted on lap 10 to get to that far, that meant that that was sort of 20-odd laps is sort of the maximum he can draw out the tyres. And his, 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 uh, his second stint, his lap, early lap times were conserving lap times. He was really conserving the tyre. And he was doing that all the way through, I think, from that stint. I think he had to. I think um, Hamilton was able to be pushing a lot more in that final stint because he went long on the first stint because he just did a really good job on looking after his early tyres. Um, did Hamilton, his mediums, before they went onto the hard. And he had an opportunity to push a bit harder at the end, which allowed him to close. And I think, yeah, I think the Merck strategy to get that close to the Red Bull by the end of the race is successful for me. I think it's a lot more Hamilton than it is the car. Mm. I think there's both just even. I think I really think there's absolutely nothing. I think the two world-class drivers pulled away yeah. from the whole field, both yeah. at the top of the game, pressure's on as well, only five races to go now. I think they both just delivered. And I think Verstappen to get Poland win, you know, it was a it was a it was a weekend worthy of of, of being of winning this year's title for me. So and equally I don't think Halton did anything wrong either. So yeah. I, th- I think maybe, I mean, to me, I think Red Bull had the slight pace advantage, I think, especially over qualifying and then the first stint of the race. It just, you know, the it was clear Verstappen had a bit more pace, I think, and you could tell tell as much by his frustration being stuck behind Hamilton when he felt he could get ahead. And I think that's maybe the factor that makes me think maybe maybe it could have been worth you know, given that it's at Cota, which isn't the easiest track to ever take on, and the the big, you know, I don't know. I think with the with the Mercedes straight line speed and the way cars can wash off in the dirty air on the on the way to the straights, I think maybe it's really difficult to say. Like you say, it came down to a margin of one point three seconds, so it was a really really close margin. But you know, obviously now what we know, looking back, maybe it would have been the best to better to try mirror or preempt Red Bull strategy. But having said that, there was also the Paris factor at the start of the race that is difficult to kind of quantify or see. That's kind of too many variables put in how it would have gone. But, you know, it's it's maybe, I think like you said, Nigel, it's a win that was really up for grabs for either of them. And the fact that Verstappen's got that, you know, I think that's that's quite a key thing because neither of them had a clear advantage here. I think Red Bull had a slight advantage, but I don't think either of them had a major advantage. And again, Red Bull have come away with the win again, like they have in other marginal races. What what impressed me most with Verstappen is he was initially behind Perez in qualifying and then Hamilton went faster. So he had to deliver on that lap and he did. And then in the race, his tyre, uh, he, he played it perfectly with the tyres on it, especially in the first and perhaps not the second, so he maybe went a bit too fast early on. But he's got, he just doesn't have any weaknesses now because I think one area where I thought Hamilton is slightly better is 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 is, is the is the tires. So but I think this race has kind of changed my mind a bit. And I think there's three races this year or three race weekends where the staff and has kind of for me gone right. The pressure doesn't really affect him and that's France where I think we said he's had a slightly faster car but for staff and one and then Zandfor oh, Home crowd, I nearly spilt my drink all over my laptop. Then that's what happened. Everything there, and then the weekend that, that just happened. So, yeah, well, I just think it's been great. Speaking of Verstappen not feeling really any pressure, he's now got the biggest lead in the championship we've had since Silverstone. Um, and we're going to Mexico, a track we all think is going to favor Red Bull. Do you, do you think it's becoming? I mean, I know a lot, a lot of the, the, the thoughts going into the America weekend was that maybe this is now leaning towards Mercedes very much so, but I think coming out of that race, it's, it's looking to be Verstappen's to lose, which is a feeling I haven't really had since sort of September, I'd say, which actually isn't that long ago when you think about it, but it, it feels long ago in the grand scheme of F1. Do you guys think it's now Verstappen's to lose? Yeah, I, I really do. I think you know, the, the points margin, the fact that it's, you know, we're going to three three effect, 
effectively new tracks or, you know, two new tracks and a modified track for the final three races. And like we saw this weekend, you know, predictions of where cars will be faster. You know, it's tough to call. And personally, I think Mexico and Sao Paulo will be better for the Red Bull than the Mercedes. So I think given all of those factors and the way that Red Bull have just been better this year, you know, it, 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 it has to say that they just have like this hasn't been the Mercedes, the absolute slick, effective unit that we've been used to seeing. And, you know, it's I think, you know, what what you mentioned there, Nigel, I genuinely think the Sappen has had more. You know, incredible drives or more drives that are just worthy of being the champion in that, you know, where where he's just needed to deliver. And they have and the team has. And I don't think you can really say exactly the same for. Hamilton, we've discussed before about how they've taken advantage of where they had the pace advantage and Mercedes haven't. But I think now that seems to be swinging back, at least I think, over the next two races. You know, if if Verstappen wins both of those and Hamilton finish second, then we're looking at a 26-point gap, I think. If he gets fastest lap, it's a minimum of, what, 24 yeah. points if, he, if Verstappen mm. wins both of them. So, you know, that's that's potentially huge. And I, that I really... I think there's very little chance that will happen. I think it's. I think there's still going to be some kind of incident or a moment, and whichever one it affects, it could be held, and then the championship could be over. But equally, it could be Verstappen. I think, and I think it's still going to come down to that. I, I think, I, I don't see clean final five races. I still think there's going to be some kind of moment. But I think what it feels like to me, if there is a clean final five races, I think Verstappen wins. If there's an incident that affects Hamilton, Verstappen wins. It's only well, to me, to me, the. But if, it, if that works both ways, if there's an incident that happens to Verstappen, Hamilton wins. And yes, so on. but I think that's I think, but I think that's the only, um, that's the only uh, permutation in which Hamilton wins, or not, you think not the Verstappen only. Verstappen needs think, to hit. Yeah, okay, I get you. You think Verstappen needs to hit trouble, really? That's out of his control for him not to win. You think yeah. if it's left to Verstappen's devices and nothing. No, if he's got a reliable car and everything, it's he's got it's a hand on the trophy. I, I think so, or at least a finger. You know, I, I genuinely I think, you know, if, if a if an accident, you know, if there's an incident, it's likely 50-50 who it affects. So that splits them down both ways. But if we discount an incident, I think, you know, looking because we can't predict that. We can't predict, you know, who's gonna have a failure or who's gonna have a crash or who's gonna, you know, have someone hit them when they're trying to lap them or whatever but I think looking at just the pace advantage that both teams and drivers seem to have and everything that's happened this year with Mercedes not taking advantage when they have it and Red Bull doing that you know really Mercedes need to win at least three of these races or Hamilton needs to win at least three of these races I think to to get it and I don't know if I can see that happening there hasn't been a run of five races this year where there's like nothing, where there's been no drama between Hamilton and Verstappen. So I don't expect the next five races for that to happen. Or six races if we include the one at the weekend. The first five races? Well, Imola, I guess at term, what you know, that was. Imola, mm, yeah. arguably Bahrain, um, you Fair could enough, say. Yeah. Um, Monaco, yeah. really. Hamilton was where? What was he? Seventh. Uh, I don't so, count that as an incident, though. That was just not being fast. Baku was race six, wasn't it? Back so was race, race six, six. yeah. I mean, we're getting too, too, too into five races here. But um, I think, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. There's a, I think with me, there's always been a lot of after each race, it, my opinion just changes. And I don't see why that can't be the case after, say, Qatar or something, where it's just like, who knows what could happen? And maybe Mercedes waltz it or maybe Red Bull work in the high-speed corners and surprise us all at Qatar. Who knows? And I think there's, there's um, a lot to be said for really just don't put your eggs in any basket just hope for the best for both drivers but I, I, I know what both of you are saying and I think I, I'm coming down to Nigel's perspective of um, of okay there's there's got to be another twist in the tail that's just the nature of this championship but we're not going to know we'll wait and see and I think we're all pretty excited to see how the statistics settle over the next five races. Adam, you're shaking your head. Oh, no. I, I, it was more... Not excited. No, I, I, I'm so <laughs> excited. And I think, 
the more I'm thinking about the narrative, the more I'm excited about it because it really is the end of an era, and it's it it's it's almost it almost feels like it's scripted this way that you've got the end of you know this the uh, era that Mercedes have been dominant in. There's going to be a shift next year, but before that, you know, it's everything is coming down to an exciting fight that could go down to the last race, that could go down to the last few laps in Abu Dhabi, and you know that is. That's so exciting, especially, you know, we've got, I mean, particularly Brazil, I'm really looking forward to return there anyway. But the fact that there's so there's so much narrative and there's so many tangents you can go off on in storylines of this championship that it's, yeah, it's, it's almost perfect the way that it has come down to this. And, you know, I, I think the fact that we've only got five races left, it, it, it feels strange to think about. But, yeah, I I can't. Yeah, I, I can't put it to words how excited I am really, but yeah, the, the amount of narrative that is going into the epic showdown of, of this era is just it's so exciting. We're going to talk about whether Sergio Perez is hitting his stride and whether he is just coming good at the right time for Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship and the Drivers' Championship to support Max Verstappen. Adam Dickinson, my friend, do you think Sergio Perez has been doing enough this year and do you think Cota is a step in the right direction um I think I mean it depends what enough is I think he's a step up from the other drivers they've had and what we've seen with Perez to go alongside what we saw with Gasly, Ankfia and Alvin is that the Red Bull yeah. second seat is really 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 difficult so in terms of you know I think enough for him keeping the seat is doing better than those other options and better than whoever is in Alpha Tari who has the shot at taking the Red Bull seat, which at the moment he is. Having said that, I don't really think he's impacting the title fight in ter- in, or the driver's title fight. And, you know, I, yeah, he's I think if you look at Bottas, mm, I, I don't, I think recently, I don't know, to me anyway, there's not many moments where I think Perez has had an impact, but it depends what enough is, you know, that's, to me, I just think the gulf between Verstappen and Hamilton and the rest of the field is kind of too big for anyone to have too much of an impact. I think him and Bottas are probably pretty even. I put Bottas just ahead of Perez at the moment or kind of over the season. But you know, it, it's it's an extremely tough gig, and you know, I think he's he's doing passable, not which isn't meant as a backhanded compliment. It's you know, mm. I think that's the level. That's really the level I expected him, I guess, to be at. I don't really think he's impacting Mercedes race too much, but you know, it, I, I don't think you can expect that to happen every race either. Well, I think, well, two weeks ago in Turkey definitely uh, prevented Alton from getting on the podium. So that's my first one. But more unlike the weekend that's just happened in Texas, I think it's probably one of his best weekends of the year. He was daring practice and normally he drops away in qualified way it matters well so I thought that might happen because in Q2 on the mediums he seemed to not be very happy on that tyre uh, but then Q3 he was on pole position and he, and, you know, he, he was on course for it until Hamilton and, and Verstappen uh, went a bit quicker so I think it was one of his best qualifiers of the year and then in the race considering he was a bit ill didn't have his drink I think we can cut him from his back uh, and I think he got the result, which he deserved, quite frankly, for me. Uh, I can't remember if he was within... Yeah, he, he would have been within Howlson's pit window in the first pit stop as well, wouldn't he? Uh, so then Howlson couldn't respond to... to uh, to the... to the... to the and so... Yeah, I think, I think it, was a good, it was a good weekend for him, overall, I'd say. I think if you look at um, Perez versus Bottas across the season, Bottas in races every uh, Bottas and Verstappen have finished. Bottas has only finished ahead of Verstappen and taking points off him once, and that was in Turkey. Uh, Perez has done a bit more to uh, uh, to combat the threat of Hamilton, if you will, and to play the the number two fiddle role quite well. Baku stands out, obviously. Obviously, then Hamilton took himself out of the of the equation, but the whole race really, Perez was 
keeping him at arm's length on a track where it's very easy to overtake. That's a really good job. Um, in Monaco as well, he went long in a really, really good way and just did the did the job and did the business. Yes, Hamilton was stuck behind Gasly and Vettel, but Perez just did the business when needed to and managed to just get out ahead of Hamilton. And Turkey, as Nigel's mentioned, they all stand out as moments. There have been a few moments where he's become anonymous and gone missing. And I think really from sort of Silverstone to um, probably Monza, Sochi, he was a bit sort of on the wayside. But No, I disagree with that. I disagree. He could have had two podiums there easily. I mean, he crossed the line third at Monza, or he lost it because of the track. He put the corner where he took. And then Sochi, before it started raining, he would have been third, like almost certainly. Mm. So yeah, that's that's the cutoff. So that's what I mean. Before I that, he was races. offwards. But that's yeah. So you're four, right. It's only a few races. I I, that's a good point. In the row where he's been pretty good, like very good actually. Yeah. And and I think, like you say, I think this was better than that. And he's yeah. he's going his own way on setup, and that's that's seems to be helping him. He said that in a bit in Turkey, and obviously this weekend in the USA. And the nature of the rebel at the Turkey with a bit more understeering really helped him in the in the race runs and the practice runs. He had very good, very good pace. The qualifying did let him down, but everywhere else he he was pretty great. And then, like you say, he had provisional pole at the start of Q3. I don't think anyone really needed Perez to be that close to get that contract or any point or anything. I think he was going too fast for what was required. You could say at, at points in Cota, and then he had. Um, diarrhea on the Sunday so that's not great um, which, <laughs> under any circumstances <laughs> under any circumstances I think we can all agree that is not great so what, what do you think the ceiling is for him do you think this is the best do you think if he does this every race that's that's the best job that he can be doing or you know, he's, he's not going to beat Hamilton most weekend but you know where do you or do you think he should be or you know do you think he should be looking to beat Hamilton on more occasions I, I, I think, think Sochi weekend it, was very good. And I think if he can carry on with sort of roles like that, where he is sort of an element and and similar with this weekend, like Nigel said, for the first stint, he's an element. And I think um, that's what he needs to be doing, really. And I think he's doing that a lot more than um, at points this year I've expected him to be doing. Nigel, he didn't sorry. have the hard tyres as well in the second stint, so he, he couldn't really push at all for a good mm. 20 laps in the middle. So then he was never going to be a threat, I guess. I mean, he probably wasn't anyway. But no. I think if Mercedes and Rebel were equal, which I think they were, I think third is a probably the ceiling for Perez. And I think that's more than, I think that's what Red Bull need, you know, for the short as, as long as he's beating Bottas, I think that should be the target. And I think that is fine. I think that's more than fine, actually. So I think that should be his target every weekend. Mm. I mean, this podiums, is... very good. Yeah. Uh, and if Red Bull have, do have a faster car than... Uh, if they have the fastest car, then yes, Perez perhaps should push Hamilton, but they haven't had the fastest car since, well, arguably, for you. although I think that's quite even. So for me, probably back to Austria for me. So, I mean, I, th- I think the caveat to that is, you know, uh, the last time that he did beat Bottas was France before Cota. So having a long run where Bottas had been on top. So, you know, I, I know there are absolutely other factors, but just looking at the points and the scores that they're bringing in at the end of races, you know, Bottas has been doing that. So, you know, it's how they kind of go from here. Like you say, if you can repeat this weekend, then... That would be great, but I think they need, you know, from that aspect, this is just one race. That but is a very good four point. races have been great. Like, he, Championship he, wise. He crossed the line ahead of Bottas in Monza, and in the but, rain, Bottas was awful in Sochi, but then he managed I mean, to get fifth because in the rain, he was awful, though. I mean, in, in, Monza, in Monza, Bottas probably, you know, Bottas should have had pole and won, really. Or he should have at least started from pole because he had his engine. He had his point. penalty, but so... Four. Standings-wise, standings if you look at it standings-wise, um, where is Perez after his win in Baku? Something like 80 points. And now he's he's only in the sort of 10, 11 races since that, he's kind of only really equaled that in points. Arguably not even got that far because he's, what, he's on 150-odd now. He's only just gone ahead of Lando Norris in the championship this race. 
So sort of points wise, after sort of race seven to race 17, he's been mediocre. Um, but the, the sort of, I don't know, race 14, 15, 16 and 17 have had flashes of good. And then race 17, obviously, Kota was very good. So I look at that and see a trajectory coming back that's pretty good. And I think that's hitting a stride at the right time. But it isn't discounting the fact that there was a, a big trough in form. Mm. I think that's the thing. And just, I think it was just after, is it, it, it was around when his contract got announced. That kind of seemed to be a bit of the drop off where, you know, the, I think it felt like a good time that his contract was announced because I think he was a bit of a non-event in the next few races after that. So, you know, yeah. I, I think like, like with a lot of drivers in the grid, it's just kind of, you know, that we've had a lot of drivers at turning points over the season. I think he's at one of those now, but it's not, you know, it's kind of whether he can carry on on that trajectory and, yeah, he, he needs to. four races of it. I'm yeah, we're, we're agreeing. We're agreeing. If you can carry yeah. on then that trajectory, yeah. that's good. It, if, the, if this is a four race peak, which a fair, few, a fair few mediocre drivers have had through the season have had peaks of a few races and then gone back down. Think, so I don't think many drivers have, have had a four race streak of very good races. I don't think that. I think maybe two, but not four. Yeah. I mean, v- Vettel had three. I was going to say Ricardo, but then I realised no, not Ricardo. But yeah, maybe, maybe not. But you know, that one today. <laughs> we no, are definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had a couple of. Yeah, he had like a couple, but not not that many. But yeah, I think you know, it's is then going on from there, and you know, like we say, directly impacting Hamilton, Mercedes, and beating Bottas, which you know, like I say, he he needs to be outscoring Bottas as well, or. You know, he needs to be doing one or the other, I think. And we'll see. We will see. We will see. And next race is Mexico. And if he's hitting it, he's hitting form yes. there. I'm very happy for him. I really want him on the podium in Mexico. I think what to win. Oh yeah, yeah, true. That's what that's what to win. That'd be fantastic. That that stadium in the middle of the circuit, full of fans cheering on a Checo win. I think I don't know. I think his Formula One career would be complete there anyway. He didn't, who cares if Max gets the title after that for him? He doesn't care. Yeah. Um, I mean, much if the Red Bull won two and Perez is first, Verstappen oh, second, ten laps to go. What on earth are oh, they going to do? Oh no! <laughs> don't, 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 swap don't they swap him? Absolutely, they would swap. They swap him and then have bottles thrown after the race. Because yeah, Red Bull would never be bought in Mexico again. That would be mad, wouldn't it? So be great advertising for Monster Energy, though. So you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there'll be winners and losers. But yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a weird one as well because he's not, you know, he's already got the drive for next year, and he's, you know, I think, like I said at the start, it feels like the best way to close is that in terms of him at Red Bull, you know, this season has been fine. You know, it's there's, I think there's more. It's probably about expectation. There's definitely more that he could do. We've discussed, you know, those troughs that he had. But compared to the drivers that have had that seat, you know, it's nothing really. And, you know, it's not, it's a weird one because it's, he's got the seat until someone better comes along. And when be- someone better comes along, then, you know, given his age and his kind of potential growth, you know, it's not really, no matter how well he's doing, you know, I don't really think, I mean, we're looking, you know, a few years into the future, but no matter how well he's doing, I think if there's a driver that, they think has the potential, then they'd put he or she in instead. So, you know, it's he's doing enough this season and, you know, for next season. And if he carries on at this level, I don't think there's anyone at Red Bull or in the Red Bull system that would challenge him the year after that. So, you know, it's especially given how kind of tough the, the drive is, that the fact that he has hit the level and probably hit expectations is is pretty remarkable or is, is to be applauded, I'd say. You're right. That's a good place to round up the Checo combo. Um, he he he's doing good. I'm re- I really want him to win in Mexico. Now he's brought that up. We're going to be talking about the two-time one-one world champion Fernando Alonso because he was involved in a few close battles at the weekend in Kota uh, with both Alpha drivers. First one was with Raikkonen, then Giovinazzi. Complained about track limits as well. Uh, and then he ended up retiring from the race. <laughs> so it, was a, it wasn't the best weekend for Alonso. I guess on the incident, 
how do we feel about them? Was Alonso right or was he wrong? Because, but first of all, I'll just explain it as people have forgot. Uh, it was Alonso Wrighton, then Wrighton overtook him off the track, is what Alonso said. And then, and then the second one, Alonso went down the inside at uh, 11 at the end of the back straight. But then he overtook Giovinazzi off the track and said that was allowed because that's what Raikkonen did. Uh, so that's what he claimed, but then he had to give the, give the place back. So what are your thoughts on those uh, incidents? It comes after a series of Fernando trying to just throw things at the FAA and see how see what sticks and see what they can get annoyed at and see what he can do. He, I think he's just having a bit of fun, really, particularly in... In Kota, where the Alpine wasn't as good as it was at any at most other tracks this year, it seemed to be struggling a bit. Um, and so Fernando was on an aggressive three-stop strategy and was just trying to pick his fights by being aggressive to everybody. And that meant pushing Kimmy off the track so that Kimmy was off the track and then allowing Kimmy back on track where he then overtook him and then saying, you went off the track to overtake me which is definitely what happened. Um, and then just breaking 50 metres too late and going, yes, what an amazing overtake. He's just, he's just trolling. Do you, do you remember in Abu Dhabi in his final race where he um, just decided just to cut the corners and not oh, yeah. drive properly and just was like, look at me, I'm going so fast. And it was just like, come on, Fernando, please. And... He's there just saying, look at me, I'm so serious. No one takes me seriously. Why, why am I the villain? And then it's like, because you just deliberately try and um, push the boundaries and annoy people. Maybe that's why you're the villain, Fernando. I mean, I, th I don't know whether there is a kind of more <clears throat> kind of serious, serious thing, though, with, with him. Because if, he's, if he kind of does these incidents, which are kind of quite obviously penalties, but, you know, or... You know, with the Kimmy one, he, you know, he outbreaks himself and Kimmy, and that's why Kimmy <laughs> had to overtake off the track. It's because he didn't have any other choice. Um, but if he can turn all of these into, you know, kind of uh, contentious issues or, you know, kind of and things where there's an element of debate, I think in the long run that will work for him. I think he'll end up getting some more decisions going for him than he otherwise would do because they're not, you know, if if there's some hint of a marginal decision then or if every decision is a marginal decision by by definition you're going to get some of those going for you you know i think the the one with with Reichner was obvious and the um the way that alan permain from helping got on the radio with michael massey tried to argue his case was quite funny i i enjoyed it it was one of my <laughs> so, oh so can you overtake off the track no but he just did no so that was good but also i thought i really enjoyed his battle with Giovinazzi. i thought you know, they it was kind of both pushing each other to the limits and probably a bit over a bit. They were both doing it and both understood that they were doing it. And I actually <laughs> think it worked really, really well. And eventually Joe Fidazzi had to give the position up, which was, you know, a shame. But I really, really enjoyed that. I thought that was a fantastic battle. It's one that even goes far as to say it's one of my favourite of the season. And, you know, it, it went wow. through the whole sector. Wow. <laughs> it went through the whole sector. And sure. were... Yes. And there went through a whole sector. No, but like, I think just the way there were so many times where I thought they're going to hit each other and then they just didn't or, he's, you know, someone's going to spin here and they just didn't. And I really liked how visibly on the edge it was. And, you know, I think that's that's what Fernando brings. And sometimes it kind of doesn't go doesn't go to plan with everyone, uh, you know, kind of not everyone can appreciate that. But, you know, Joe Finazzi has been around for a fair few years now. And I think he he got that and he's racing for a seat, too. So, but, you know, I think. On the original point, yeah, I think I think Alonso he may be doing it to troll, but I think there there is, I think there may be more going on there. Or you know, it's it's either way. I think it will work out to his advantage more times than it won't. That's a very very good point that he's pushing the marginal decisions because that also isn't isn't yeah. It's great for him if he can get them to go his way, but it also makes a mockery of the fact that these decisions are marginal. It says yes. Well, do it properly then, stewards. And don't just police, don't say straight away to um, Hamil, uh, Verstappen in Bahrain that he has to give the position back. Do the same for a position for 13th because you can't judge it differently based on if it's for one, if it's between Red Bull and Mercedes and Alpine and Alfa Romeo. And 
it's it's a good it's a good thing to say to be like well hang on a second give us clear rules of engagement and we'll follow them but at the moment we don't have them and we're going to push the boundaries for ourselves in every direction which is attack and defend the argument yeah. i mean oh god adam I, I, you know, I wasn't going to jump in, but I can do unless you want to. No, no, I'll <laughs> my take is, I, I, I love Alonso. I think we both know that. I think he's one, one of the best drivers on the grid, and I think he's got a point over the last. I mean, I think it's since Austria. I think when something happened at Turn One when he got over to my two cars, and since then, uh, he's been going on about uh, cars and lap one, especially overtaking off the track and stuff like that, and not being punished which is why he then did it in Sochi uh, <laughs> about three or four weeks ago uh, when he cut went through the bollards. So I think he has, he's got a point, but I think he was wrong on every decision on Sunday. I don't see how he can defend it, really. He, he, he did force Reichland off, and Giovinazzi didn't affect him at all uh, with, with, with that move. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was probably one of Alonso's worst weekends, of the year, or at least since probably thought you uh, meant of his career then. Spain or Portugal? Huh? Yeah, I thought you were going to say of his career then. Well, it's a long oh, weekend. Wow. No, I won't go that far, but it Arguably. was definitely of the, of the year. It was pretty mm. bad, uh, which is a shame because he's he's been excellent the last what twelve races or something. Yeah, so just one of them. I think he'll bounce back in Mexico, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the FIA do listen to him or do anything with these kind of track limits incidents but Alonso's arguments on Sunday didn't really work for me I I think he's in a weird position though because it doesn't I think he doesn't really care you know whether people like him or not he he doesn't care because he knows people are talking about him and that seems to be the biggest thing for Fernando is whether (laughs) he is you know whether he has the attention if it's in a good way or bad way to really matter because like Freddie said he just he just enjoys it he just likes being an F1 driver but yeah fair enough yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah you know but I don't you know and, and, and anything like that this all just feeds into kind of the the Alonso personality and you know it's not hmm. this is just kind of what he does it's not you know I, I don't think I don't think he cares but he also you know he'll know that doing this you know people will agree with it or people just go oh, it's Fernando it's just Fernando doing Fernando things and that's I, I think that's okay with him. I don't really, you know, I think if he can get a few decisions to go his way that wouldn't normally, that's all that matters to him. And you know, he's a good enough driver that he can make it work outside of that as well. But he just, you know, like at Sochi, he he's an expert at pushing pushing the limits of everything in F1, you know, as far as they can go. And you know, it, that I think that's just what it is again. And you know, it's it's like you say, it'll be interesting to see if there's kind of more. Uh, widespread external discussions within F1 around that, but we'll have to wait and see, like you say. At the end of the day, he's there. He's there trying to push the limits to get the best result for him and his team. And if that means that he's going to need to uh, push the limits on the rules, which they all do, let's be honest, they're all going to try and do an overtake and get away with it if they can. And if, if someone overtakes them in a bad way, they're all going to shout about it. I seem to remember. Um, back in 2017, when Alonso was uh, in his last year with McLaren-Honda before they became McLaren-Renault the year later, it was Mexico and Hamilton and, oh, I don't know, I think probably Vettel came together a bit at the start of that race yeah. and ended up having yeah. to come through the field. And Hamilton, on like lap 60 or whatever, came up to try and pass Alonso for sort of eighth place. And Alonso tried to push him way off, way off, leaving just enough room for him to have two wheels in the track. And then he goes straight on the radio. Did he pass me off the track? Did he pass me off the track? We go, no, Fernando, it was good racing. And and you can hear him just kind of be like, ah, damn, it was good racing. Um, it's kind of like he, he wanted to force the other driver into doing the illegal move, which is, you know, part of racing, let's be honest. And forcing Raikkonen out is, is his prerogative, but then getting all annoyed when Raikkonen then comes back on track is... You know, it's having your cake a bit. Um, but that's how it should be. That's how the drivers are. And that's the kind of culture of sort of this protesting stewardship that is in Formula One. And yeah, maybe it does need to change. 
Yeah. But I think it, yeah. I think it didn't help Alpine, like you said, Freddie, early before that. They didn't have a bad sorry, they did have a bad car. So that kind of made them onto more, I guess, eager to do something because points mm. weren't very likely because they probably had the seventh fastest car or so. Oh, eighth. Eighth. So, yeah, possibly even eighth, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I think that didn't help as well. Then they both him at him and Ocon didn't finish anyway. Mm. Pretty bad weekend for Alpine. Is there anything else you want to add on the ones or Alpine before we come to an end? I, I I think yeah, we can talk about how bad the car is based on what happened to Wacon during the race. And he yes, um, I mean, well, he didn't get didn't get out of Q one. I think am I right? No, he did. He qualified eleven. Ignore me. Um, but he then spun back too. and showed <laughs> um, me off there. Um, he, he then got involved in an um instant at the start and had to pit for a front wing and then couldn't Giovinazzi get past the Tifi. Yeah, I think yeah, Giovinazzi yeah. just drove his line and which is fair and it's, you know, classic sort of S's first lap collision really. Um, but he, 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 Latifi had an issue as well and Latifi was just ahead of Ocon as he came out and then Ocon couldn't really pass Latifi for the rest of the race and, and in normal circumstances to be honest, Ocon versus Latifi is a fairly one-sided fight but in this situation, the Alpine just couldn't hang on in any of the fast corners. The back end was just going all the way through, had no rear stability at all. And I think we're all basically certain that Fernando Alonso, I was about to say Fernando, Fernando is much better with a snappy car that you need to hustle a bit than basically anyone else. So he was going to always going to be in a better position than Ocon, but he was still fighting for 13th, 14th measly positions and then had a rear wing issue anyway that then he had to retire and he came on the radio and goes, we need to retire. I kind of think he just wanted to retire, if I'm honest. Yeah. Classic Alonso. Not the, <laughs> Not he has done enough. that past, apparently. Of course he's done that in the past. Yeah, intentionally retired. <laughs> yeah, that's what Button said last week when he was interviewed by Rosberg. There's problems yeah. with the car. Alonso it's all wrong. retired. Uh, I, th- I think well, just the the other thing on on Alpine is they are they're looking over their shoulder. They are not they're 150 odd points behind McLaren and Ferrari, and I don't really know what the denominations <laughs> are this year. Whether there's like they're a, not going to get a form, for, Formula 1.25, or you know whether they're leading Formula 1.5 or whatever. But there's you know they they are in a tussle with particularly AlphaTauri, who are only 10 points behind them in the constructors' championship, and. Aston, who are a bit more, they're 40 odd points. But, Aston you know, that Aston are, unless they have some big races. But, you know, it's <laughs> in, yeah. But, you know, it, I don't know. Strange thing has happened, but not recently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they they haven't really, it's, it's a weird one. They, they've got nothing to kind of push forward for other than stopping AlphaTauri taking that fifth place in the championship and all the money that goes with it. So, there is still stuff on the line for them. And, you know, it, it'd be surprising for us if Aston do do it. But, you know, there's it's, that's more likely happening than them catching up anyone in front of them. So they have, you know, they, they've got to keep it a level and they've got to, you know, be able to beat the teams behind them and the teams around them that, depending on what track, you know, sometimes, sometimes are faster, sometimes are slow. But it's been, you know, I think, yeah, I think it'll be maybe not an interesting one to follow but I think it's just worth kind of pointing out as a that is their battle now is with AlphaTauri and we'll have to see how that goes over the remainder of the season. They're kind of lucky to be fifth, if I'm honest. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you take out Ocon's win, I mean, I don't know. It, it's a difficult If, if you take out if, lots of results, yeah. Mm, um, but, you know, that that is the... They, yeah, the, it's, it's the know, change. Close to, close to Aston Martin, you know, it's a, a very yeah. freak result and that and is you, really the difference. If you add second place from the same race, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's a massive swing. So yeah, it's. I agree. They're they're lucky to be fifth, but they've still got to hold that because, like we say, AlphaTauri are very close behind. We are looking at the battle, the race for third in the constructors' championship, which is down to just three and a half points between McLaren and Ferrari. They nearly came together. There's nearly a four car. Uh, crash in the end of the back straight at Cota where Norris breaks so deep. It was a fantastic yeah. opening lap, really, between the four of them. It was slightly taken away by the fact that Hamilton overtook Verstappen off the start, but they were close all the way through the first two sectors, and that was fantastic to see. But 
having said all of that, it's getting to the point where it, it's it's advantage Ferrari. They finished fourth and seventh, whereas McLaren finished fifth and eighth. So they made another gain. And after McLaren opened up a massive lead after the Italian Grand Prix with their one-two, Ferrari has just been clawing it back and clawing it back and clawing it back. It is now, as you say, down to three and a half points. So who do you think Freddie first will take third after Abu Dhabi? Because it is it's close at the moment. Will it be close at the end of the season? It's advantage Ferrari, isn't it? I mean, I know Cota wasn't supposed to be a McLaren track with the kind of weird sort of high-speed bits that really haven't favoured McLaren. But if we look at the tracks to come, we've got Qatar, high-speed, not McLaren. You've got Abu Dhabi, which with the newer sections could arguably favour Ferrari more. You've got Sao Paulo, which is high altitude, which will favour Ferrari. You've got Mexico, which is very high altitude, which will give the Monaco vibe to Ferrari. I think really it's all in Ferrari's favour now. Arguably, Jeddah is the only track that you can look at and see McLaren making a gain there. And with it's not like it's a gap of 10, 15, 20 points that Ferrari need to find. It's three and a half points. And that's the difference between fourth and um, sixth, really. So... If they just do that, then just have a fourth place, really, and, and a fifth place finish, which they seem to be easy, easily getting now. You look at Sainz in uh, Sochi, you look at Leclerc just doing a madness in Turkey and really deserving the podium. And you look at Leclerc's um, race pace in Cota being just ridiculously close to Perez, really, and Sainz being a lap off being overtaken by... Um, not being overtaken by Bottas as well. I think, yeah, it's advantage Ferrari. The pace seems there and McLaren really are just hanging on now. Yeah, so, Nigel, do you think it has, is as clear-cut as that? Because what, you know, from what Freddie's saying, it kind of sounds like Ferrari or he thinks Ferrari have kind of one hand on that third place. Do you think it, has, it is as foregone a conclusion as that? Because the batter has kind of been swinging throughout the season. I think he has, and I think me and Freddie agreed before Cota that Ferrari were favourites. I think this has just underlined it, I'd say, because I think Ferrari had the better car. The driver lineup was very, very strong as well. McLaren, you know, Ricardo's still a bit inconsistent, although he was excellent at the weekend. Mm. So I think everything's in Ferrari's hands, especially if Norris has to take a grid penalty at some point, which I think is going to happen in the final five races. Uh, and the Ferrari... <laughs> You know, it could even win at Mexico, I think. It yeah. is, it's a very, very strong car since they've had that upgraded engine. So, I think everything points towards Ferrari. It's going to take a serious, serious drop of the ball for Ferrari not to get third, I think, or some kind of freak result where Norris or Ricardo gets third, which could happen. But realistically, I don't think it, it, it will happen. So, I think Ferrari have just got the better car right now and they've got the drivers who will deliver every single weekend well I mean you know dropping the ball some would say it's Ferrari's speciality over the last few years but I wouldn't say that uh-huh. because that would be mean but I do I think like we said in our discussion on Hamilton and Verstappen and where we see the title fight going there which check that out check out that video because you know that is a longer video than this and a good discussion on where we think the title fight will be going over the next five rounds but like you said there I think it only takes one incident to Flip this on its head, you know. If you it's get, different. if you get an int- I don't in think a constructors' it battle, it's different. When it's two teams <laughs> I don't, I don't, in fight, I don't think uh, it's that different though. When when you're talking, when you're talking about, you know, potentially, you know, a, a podium. I think you, either team is one incident away from a podium, and you know, I I really, I don't think it's as foregone a conclusion as both of you are kind of, or both of you seem to think it is, because you know, I just think, especially in in midfield battle, you don't, you know, it, I think there's, I think there's more, more variables that can, can happen there. And, you know, I think Mexico will be a big one. Like you say, it depends how Ferrari perform there, but if it, if it is still close coming out of Mexico, then, you know, which is a big if admittedly, then, you know, I, I think it's really up in the air personally. I think it's completely different. You lose, you could lose 25 points if you're Verstappen or or Mercedes or, or Hamilton. Whereas with this, you might lose eight or ten points by not finishing before six. So I think it's completely different. And you got two cars as well. So then you still got that other car which can or, get or twelve or fifteen or eighteen potentially. 
that's what that, Nigel, that's what Adam, Adam's kind of saying. If there's like, if there's an instance at the top, uh, say Bottas and Perez aren't involved, there's, then that means there's a third place taking that kind of thing, obviously. And then that can be whoever takes that third place then makes it a 15 point swing, which makes it, mm. if it is um, an eight or 10, eight, six, eight, 10 points normally. But then when you get a 15 points putter, it just throws it in that direction. Really, it makes I mean, the, the, the miss, miss of the Sochi win for Norris really important. I, I, I was about to say that. That was that was a huge swing. You know, the the way everything turned out in in the rain where you had, you know, Norris obviously losing his win, Sainz getting the podium. You know, I think you, you know, th- those are freak occurrences, but freak occurrences do happen and they've happened this season more than I remember happening in a fair few years. So, you know, I... I I think it's still up in the air, and as I say, especially after Mexico, then if it is still close, then I think it will be, you know, it will come down to something like that. We'll see it. I, I, we will see. We will see. I, I, I know Ferrari you don't see it. Pace. We'll see this record equal. I don't think Ferrari and McLaren are at the moment. I think Ferrari have got a few temps in hand, personally. I think, I, think, I, I, think I, I agree with that. I think Ferrari have a few temps in hand, and I think um, oh, it's, it's really tricky because I do think McLaren are normally pretty good at pouncing on a, recently, at least in 2020 and 2021, they've been pretty good at pouncing on a, on a decent shock result and doing pretty well there. Who knows? We could have another Brazil 2019 kind of situation which just throws the, all the cars in the wrong direction. And, um, but likewise, we could have, um, I, I mean, we're talking about lost points. Monaco this year is is is, is testament to sort of lost yeah. win, another lost win. So at the end of the day, um, so really, yeah, there's been too many big swings from either team, and that you can't really pin it on anything to say where the blame lies. And really, the, it looks like this reliability upgrade and the sort of rejigging of the way Ferrari have used their um, powertrain uh, units basically they've um, so you weren't allowed to upgrade anything um, on the 2021 engine from that point but they kept I think it is their NGUH I want to say that um, they just used their 2020 spec up until until Sochi and just upgraded it then and basically spent more time working on it and did better and now their engine is pretty pretty fine they're gaining a couple of tenths there so so couple that with their slightly better package, just chassis-wise, aerodynamically, that's a much bigger swing than I think it's looking like on paper. I, 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 I th- every time I speak, I'm like, oh, I want it to be close. But every time I speak, I'm like, well, it's a surprise that Ferrari, that we're even having this discussion. I, I, Ferrari should be miles clear now, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, they're, they're not, it, it's still so close, but... I think, I think for me, maybe the biggest difference is the second drivers because Sainz hasn't finished out of the point since France. Whereas Ricardo, yeah. if, if we take it since since Hungary, then he's only had one more top five finish than a uh, non-scoring finish. So, you know, it, it's, it's been, I think, a real lottery with Ricardo. We've discussed that at length, but <laughs> I think that's maybe where I see where I see the biggest difference. Being. I don't think there's that much difference between Norris and uh Leclerc and I think there's you know not I think the difference between the second drivers is more than the difference between the car and that's where it may come down to because like you you know I I still think with the swings then that's fine but you know you if 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 science has that consistency towards the rest of the season that will sort them out and you know that could well carry them home so yeah. It's going to come down to the drivers, I think, because if I said that last week or, or two weeks ago, Ricardo hasn't had, has he hasn't put together a run of races, so he's got to do it now. For McLaren to get third, Ricardo has to perform. Uh, he was excellent at the weekend, really, really good. That's what he can year. do it again. It's a big question mark because he hasn't done it so far this year. He, uh, he put together a run of three races across the Monza weekend and Russia. That's that's the that's the only thing I can give. The sprint much race slower than Norris yeah. in Russia, much slower. So I'm not I'm not even having that. Uh, <laughs> but what, I, what was before Russia anyway? Uh, Monza, that's the Monza. That's what he's been saying. Yeah, um, Monza. 
But I think, yeah, Kota, I think, was Daniel's best race of the year. Way, I think better than Monza. Um, yeah. Because I think it was just unexpected for him yeah. to be brilliant here. And he just ab- was absolutely on another level. He really should have been um, behind science in that race. And um, on pace, really. Science was hampered, obviously, by starting on the sauce for some reason. For some reason, Ferrari did that. And it's that kind of thing that just throws away really at the end of the day, throw away a fifth place and made it a seventh place because it puts him in a position to be overtaken by Bottas. Because... He had a bad pit stop, though, didn't he? And That's true, he did. That's true. That. Yeah. Without that bad pit stop, he would have been fifth. That's a very good point. Uh, well, definitely fifth, you think he would have cleared Ricardo? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Always that's, that's how Ricardo feet, feet clear Ricardo. That's how stayed ahead or something like that. Okay. Well, so there we go then. It's, it, it comes down to the finickety seconds mm. in the pit lane. And yeah, and qualifying on soft tyres for some reason, um, which is honestly one of the stupidest strategy calls I've seen this this in that race um, weekend. But anyway, um, oh, I'm, yeah. quite, I'm, I'm quite excited to see how it goes, but I'm also more excited to see if Ferrari are going to prove Nigel and I right and be in fight for the win in Mexico, because I think that would be exciting. And that would just, just for, the, for, the, for the Hamilton Verstappen fight, that would just throw another spanner in the works and just be like, well, what the hell is science doing here winning? Why are you doing that, science? It's Hamilton or Verstappen who should be doing that. It'd be hilarious. Just, just to finish, I'll set an over-under of 20 points. Ferrari get third by 20 points at the end of the season. What do you take over that or under that? Over. Who cares? Oh my god! Thank, yeah, that's helpful. So, but it will be that energy. Oh wait, Calvin's is hot with twenty point five. <laughs> okay, right. Before we finish, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to for a star performance? Nigel, I give a. Sh- oh, fine, Adam. Oh. I'll give a shout out to Sonoda for holding up Verstappen because that was just funny. <laughs> the, the way the way he he kept. Uh, Hamilton behind him and had that really started defending Hamilton and everyone's like oh it's a great job for the team and then he does it to Verstappen which is just brilliant I love that and also a shout out to the Acura wings on the back of the Red Bull rather than Honda because they have a stupid American brand which I didn't understand before I come here but I don't like it but it felt familiar so those are my two shout outs I love Acura it's fantastic it's honestly like one of the coolest brands in America because it's like it's like a Honda NSX, but it's... That's not a high bar. Ooh. I think it's great. I love Honda. it. I was really happy they had a Cura. I thought it was, they've, been, they've been trying... Oh, they yeah. should, have, been, they should what... have done that years ago. Oh, I'm happy they had it, because it, but not for the reason that I really love the brand. It's just a nice Americanism that I enjoyed from it. Nice. All right, Nigel, your turn for a shout-out. Uh, I think Sebastian Vettel has to have a shout-out. Excellent weekend. One of, his, one of his best weekends of the year, actually. Uh, got into Q2 in qualifying, started ahead of Alonso and Russell, and also had great penalties. He didn't even push at like his most, I don't think, just so he didn't get into Q3. So we had the free tyre choice. And we came from the back of the grid. Bit of a slow start, but then started p- picking cars off one by one. Managed his tyres very well as well. Deserved a point. Someone else who deserved a point well was Raikkonen, I think, because mm-hmm. he spun. But I think that was because he had damage to his suspension from Alonso. I don't I, because his his final ten laps or so after that it was quite slow. So I think the damage might have affected him. So he's quite unlucky not to get points. So the Raikkonen did a pretty good race. So a bit of misfortune there. So I think those two drivers deserve a mention. The former teammates, of course, at Ferrari. I think they did, both did very well. And I was I was I was really quite upset. I I, I was upset to see Raikkonen spin because it would be nice for him to get a point. It was. Real good drive from him, and to Giovinazzi to be a few seconds back as well. Alfa Romeo yeah. was, was doing were doing well actually, and they were they needed a reward for points because they've had a lot of races where they've had performance and not got points. Um, I'm going to give two shout outs: one to Shaquille O'Neal for being amazing, <laughs> um, and another for Jamie Chadwick for winning her second W Series crown. And I hope she can use this scholarship. She's not allowed to W Series again. Um, in a in a Formula Two kind of way, and I hope she can take this and hopefully get some push to maybe do FIA F3 or yeah. maybe even F2. Who knows? Because she's been at this sort of regional F3 level for a long time, and yeah. she is very good at it. She's been not just winning because she's done it for ages. She was winning early on in this in this level, 
in sort of British F3 back in the day. So hopefully she can get another another step up and this can and really bring her closer to the top echelons of motorsport because she yeah. is a talent. Definitely. And just tagging on to that, Abby Pulling, who yes, was Abby a Pulling. reserve driver at the start of this year and had to fall out of British F4 because of funding, turned up to Kota, got pole in the yeah. first race, got a podium in the second race, which is fantastic. She's got a full-time job, uh, drive for W Series next week. Not next week, next year. Next so, year. yeah, that'll be something to look out for with Chagswick gone, who will take the crown. That'll be the question. Um, and also, very quickly, check out uh, Martin Brundle and Megan the Stallion, because that's a fantastic <laughs> video. Look at it on Twitter. That's all I've got to say. You've probably already seen that, to be honest. Um, but it was amazing. I, was, I, was, I put a tweet out going, I hope Martin Brundle speaks to Megan the Stallion. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, but yeah, right. We're running out of time because our Zoom call is going to close. But um, thanks very much for listening. You can check us out on Winging at F1 uh, Twitter. You can check us out on YouTube, where we have this but in shorter form video form and you can check us out on our individual twitters which are in the description for this podcast on your podcast platform we hope to see you before the mexican grand prix thank you very much and see you soon everybody goodbye goodbye